Live from Earth, it's Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at Stony Brook University and the Flatiron Institute. And for the next half hour, your agent to the stars. We have got an amazing show for you today where we have a very special guest that I am very, there's a lot of varies involved in this episode because I'm just so excited. We've got a very special guest today. Now, like any episode, whether there's a guest or not, this show lives on listener questions. We record every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern here at Spaceman Studios in New York City. So leave a voicemail to get yourself on the air. You can also follow along with our space cadets tuning in live from around the world, including an amusing collection of eyes. We've got Idaho. We've got Iowa. We've got Indiana. We've got Illinois. We've got Ireland. Is that all the locations in the world that start with the letter I? It just might be. We might have reached peak I, but we also have Howell, New Jersey, London, UK, Washington, D.C., Pell City, Alabama, Halifax in England, Portsmouth, England, and more tuning in live. It's so fantastic to see all the space cadets tuning in live. Now, if you want to join them and have that party every Thursday night, which I know you do, you need to go to spaceradioshow.com. Oh, Iceland. Thank you, Russell. Anyone from Iceland? Anyone? Iceland is an amazing country. I would love to go there again. And Indonesia. Okay, thank you. I'm thinking off the top of my head, folks. I'm just making it up as I go along. I missed Indonesia and Iceland. Thank you, space pedantic space cadets at all, as always, which is why we love you. Now, like I promised, we have a very special guest today. Joining me today in, oh yeah, the entire country of India. <laughs> it was so off the mark on that. There are so many Irvine. Does that count? Does, does anyone care about Irvine? No offense, Irvine. Let's get to our guest, Dr. Brittany Kamai. Dr. Brittany Kamai is native Hawaiian, an astrophysicist, an athlete, an author, a mentor, an advocate for creating a better world. As an experimentalist, Dr. Kamai's research focuses on improving gravitational wave detectors with novel technology ideas. She's advancing studies of seismic and acoustic metamaterials. Can't wait to ask her more about that. On a path to improve the ground-based detectors like LIGO in the Cosmic Explorer. With increased sensitivity, we will gather deeper astrophysical observations to enable precision tests of cosmology, general relativity, and stellar evolution. Dr. Kamai, welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> hey, you're not you're not living somewhere that starts with the letter I that I totally missed, right? No. I mean, oh, no. no. No, not. Yeah, there's no way I can describe this area with an I. <laughs> At the beginning of the letter. <laughs> At the beginning of the word. <laughs> There might be an I somewhere, but you used to live in an I. You used to live in an Illinois, uh, yes, as I did I. Uh, yes. I, w- I was a PhD a grad student at the University of Illinois down in Urbana-Champaign. You were up in Chicago. What were you? What were you doing in in Chicago? In Chicago. Yeah. So I was um, at the Kavli Institute for Cosmological Physics, um, and we were working on building this instrument called the holometer. And the the intent of the instrument was to see if we could measure any signatures from space itself that could be holographic. And so like you, I was like, what does that even mean? And I went up there um, and got to build the instrument from end to end. So like putting together the vacuum system, the electronics, the optics, sweeping the water out of the tunnel because oh we built this at fermilab and so it was really awesome to like 
squat in an old tunnel, turn it into this new experiment, and um, really just see what an end-to-end -end project looks like from a theorist to convincing experimentalists to building the thing and measuring things. So that's what I was up there, um, constantly whining about being cold. Because <laughs> I'm from Hawaii, so I'm like, ah. <laughs> like, every group meeting, that was my update for like half the year. <laughs> I'm cold. Yeah, and, and they didn't listen to me until the interferometer got cold. So, like, we yeah. actually had to get a heated blanket for the interferometer. And I was like, now and you're for listening. And for Dr. Kamai. <laughs> yes. Was there a bonus one for you? Okay, so yeah. you were like the canary in the coal mine for the sensitivity of the interferometer. Yes. Yeah. All right, like, so so you were looking for, for uh, if the universe had any holographic properties. What in the world does that mean? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, when we make measurements of position, right? Like if I make a p position measurement in X and I make a position measurement in Y, they don't really care about each other. But if this hypothesis about holography exists, then they kind of would care about each other. So the idea would be if we make this really precise uh, position measurement between these two dimensions uh, and, and could there be some uncertainty in that position measurement because of this constraint, then we could measure it with this really, really precise ruler. And in fact, we made two really precise rulers and stuck them as close together as possible. Um, so that's the story. This is my um, one of my doggies, Jesse Rose, who loves to make cameos on like literally every YouTube thing. I, do, I, so. I am I am happy to interview a dog. I would do it on yes. Space Radio. And Nancy, Nancy, I'm not serious because when I say like I would love to interview Blah, like she actually gets that person and interviews you. So like. Yeah. Nancy would find a dog for me to interview. So Nancy, um, we can talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're the agent that you we talked to for the, yeah, okay, yeah, good exactly. To know, yeah, good to yeah. Go through me. Yes. So you built these very, very uh, incredibly precise rulers. How precise are are the rulers that we're talking about? Talk talk about some of the technology involved in the holometer, which I really want to call holometer. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes you do. Um. Yeah. Like when. So it's at the precision level of like a thousand-ish. Uh, if you took the radius of a proton, which is inside of an atom, and you go a thousand times smaller, that's how precise we can measure length measurements. And so um, we made two of those at, at really high frequencies. So at megahertz frequencies, we can measure that. Um, and so like the things that are in there are lasers and optics. But like the guts of the holometer is not as fancy as LIGO, which is so uh, the holometer is like 40 meters. So you can kind of like walk to the end, skateboard to the end, whatever. LIGO, that's four kilometers, so like two miles. Like you got to get in a car and you're just driving. And that's the distance these lasers will take to get to the other optics. And so the reason um, LIGO is so much more fancy on the inside is that when black holes smash into each other, uh, they like to do it at the same frequencies that, like, Earth is doing its thing, like shaking, air motion, that type of thing. So you need fancier things within that instrument um, to be sensitive enough to measure things from, astro like, astrophysical signals. So, yeah, like, the kilometer has similar things, but it was, like, way simpler. <laughs> like, <laughs> way, way simpler than LIGO. <laughs> like, LIGO yeah. basic. Yeah, no, totally. Like in an early incarnation, it was like they were thinking of naming it Lego Lego, and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, scientists are not the greatest when it comes to naming things. I just gotta say, we're we we really need some help in that area. Yeah, and I think like holometer meant like measurer of things. It was like some if you look up another definition, it's like measure of things. So that's same. Got it. <laughs> so your current research so, so after that uh you said you're now based in uh the california area like what are you doing out there what are you focusing on yeah so i moved to uh california um to work on this other instrument ligo and that's the fancier fancier version that of the holometer and i think about the future of those kinds of instruments and so the way we move into the future is that we do these tabletop experiments. Uh, we see what the latest technology that's going on in other fields and figure out what that looks like in our field of gravitational wave instrumentation. And so that's what brought me over here is like, okay, let's work on LIGO. And I like the like futuristic stuff because it's more like creative and fun. <laughs> like, it's like a different kinds of pressure. Like people are in different positions. So um, that's where I... I've been thinking lately about this world of metamaterials, which is like so cool <laughs> and trying to figure out how to bring that into uh, how we design the future of gravita ground-based gravitational wave instrumentation um, with that kind of technology. Yeah. So, so what exactly is a metamaterial? Like, obviously it's better than a material, but in, in what <laughs> way? Yeah. So I, like the part that like just really like blew my mind about this was uh, when we when we go through our physics path, we like read about materials and like if light interacts with materials, it could do certain things. <laughs> but um, in in those like standard books, it said light couldn't do a certain thing. So therefore, we can never make invisibility cloaks. OK, so that was like some constraint we thought we had in physics. And then metamaterials jumped on the scene and was like, no, you can. <laughs> and it like, it, it's so cool because if you like look at, it started from like a theoretical physics question, like this mathematical physics question of, are these unique solutions? And it turns out it's not. <laughs> and you can redesign the inside to actually still conserve like the bulk properties that you need to for physics. But on the micro scale, then you can do different things. And so that's where like the metamaterials got onto the scene where it could interact with waves in a new kind of way to achieve these things that we never thought possible. And so, of course, we're nerdy physicists and we don't leave it at, at light. We're like, OK, sound. What about temperature? What about seismic waves? And every wave has its own level of complexity, right? Like light goes through a vacuum. The equations are simpler. You start putting waves through soil and now you're dealing with different things right. so yeah so that's where the meta materials where it comes from um and it's really really cool so why do we want these kinds of meta materials like ligo is working virgo is working we're seeing black holes we're seeing neutron stars we're seeing black holes and neutron stars like why do we need to push this further what exactly are we looking for oh yes great question so Think about if you had a, like a hearing aid, right? And so if your hearing could only hear so far, then you're like, oh, I can only hear the sounds that are really close to me. But if you continue to improve the precision on that, you can go further and further out and you can see things or hear things even further. And so while we, we've started to measure like some, right? <laughs> it's like we went from the first detection of black holes to the first detection of neutron stars to like, 
tens of them, right? And this is still the early stages of it where we have so many questions still. It's like, where do these black holes come from? They're like way bigger than we thought. What, what's further and further out in our universe? So in order for us to push there, we need to improve the sensitivity of the instrument. So like making your hearing aid better <laughs> and more responsive to the astrophysics by being less responsive to things here on earth. And so when we have technology like metamaterials where we can uh, shield <laughs> the detector and make it even quieter, then you can, you'll be able to push out further. And so I'm really excited about this because then it's like we start to get into like populations, right? Like if you like what we did with galaxy surveys, it's like, cool, we can look up at the sky. Cool. We made things better. All these galaxies. Now we have piles of galaxies and then mm -hmm. we're doing these large scale statistics. Imagine that for a whole new sample, right? Like a whole new information messenger with black holes, like populations of them. Statistics. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited for that. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So so that's for LIGO. Uh, tell us what the Cosmic Explorer is, where it will be, who's making it, just I've, I'm just what's what's up with the Cosmic Explorer? Yeah, so um, it is our, right now it's in the like early stages of imagining what the next generation of instrumentation needs to be. So LIGO's like running and kicking it in the US, in Washington state and Louisiana Livingston. And we have our friends around the world, Virgo, Cagra, uh, LIGO India is gonna come online soon. But the we're, we're in that, what's after that, right? When we have these things online, can we still go further? And Cosmic Explorer is one of that. It's like, it's our next biggest facility that would be 10 times bigger than LIGO. So that's 40 kilometers. Yeah. So that's a long drive to each end station. And we're still trying to figure out where would we put it, right? So it's, where are you going to put this 20 mile by 20 mile L? And like, what kinds of design features do we need to think about? It's like the curvature of the earth starts becoming a mm. problem, you know, like things like this that we're working through right now. So it's it's thinking through what R&D needs to happen today in the next five to 10 years to actually have that thing running in 15, 20 years. And that'll just be rocking and rolling forever. Got it. So so what role do metamaterials play in developing something like Cosmic Explorer? Yeah. So right now we can answer the questions of like, is that a feasible technology for seismic, like reducing seismic waves around detectors? I think um, after we answer those questions, we can look into acoustic metamaterials. So like even more like shielding of the, the optics um, within whatever facility we make. So we're at the stage where like, what is the environment going to be doing to the detector? So what can we do to engage with the environment? That type of thing. Got it. Got it. So what do you see as... Uh, the biggest challenges to designing something like Cosmic Explorer. You mentioned the curvature of the Earth. Is there anything that is right now is a real barrier that we really need to overcome before we can have a explorer of the cosmos? Oh, yes. Like the optics are going to be bigger. The suspension needs to be even fancier. Like right now, LIGO takes like a 80-pound baby. Like those are the optics suspends it on this itty bitty thread <laughs> and then has a super complex uh isolation system that reduces 10 orders of magnitude of seismic vibrations like like that's a lot that's not a tenth that's that's 10 orders of magnitude orders that's of like magnitude. yeah yeah it's like 10 right? billion it's like and 
isn't that like the most baller move? You're just like, yeah, we'll reduce 10 orders of magnitude of noise. What? Like, that's amazing. So, I mean, like to move Cosmic Explorer to be even more sensitive than that, then we have to start reducing those kinds of things, right? You make the optics bigger. Okay, what does that do for the suspension? Like, what does that do? Like, are when you want to have more powerful lasers, how do you make that happen? So like there's a whole bunch of R&D in that as well. So yeah, like there's a lot of big open fun questions. Um, and surely there's way. a lot of very cool uh, technological side benefits. Like if you can build a cosmic explorer with all these advanced materials, you know, are we going to have like faster internets, better color mm-hmm. TV? Mm, probably. Yeah. But I mean, like it's wild, right? Like, so CCDs, right? Like that's a bunch of astronomy nerds being like, I want to have better measurements of these things up in the sky. And now we have them in our phones all the time, right? Like mm-hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. at the time, I don't think they would have been like, you know, what we're going to do with this technology is <laughs> that every single person's going to have access to this. Right. Um, and like, even with the internet too, right? Like that's a whole nother, right? Like that was a bunch of nerds being like, we're going to spat smash together matter <laughs> and then boom now we have this thing called and we the want internet. to talk about <laughs> it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so i don't know i mean like who knows and maybe we need to like worry about the earth's magnetic field at like a higher precision that would then inform other types of thing that maybe the internet would get better or then we have like this meta made up new internet where we're not even like using electromagnetic meta net yes <laughs> coined it for space radio <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We got a question here from Chris Luke, one of our adorable space cadets, uh, asking about, uh, there's been a lot of news recently about using pulsar timing arrays to detect gravitational waves, um, and especially gravitational wave backgrounds. Uh, Could that apply to this holography problem as well? Yeah. So, ooh, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought the question was going to take another road. You can take that road too if you want. It's it's your interview. I'll just drive along wherever I want. Um, So, okay. So if there is this residual noise, ah, this is the thing. So pulsar timing arrays are gigantic detectors the size of a galaxy, right? But they, they don't have the same level of sensitivity as you do at detectors like LIGO or the holometer. So if you had that holographic noise, in an abundance that you would measure in uh, the pulsar timing arrays, it would really mess up a lot of other things. Like, I don't think we would have the large scale structure in the same way. Like, there would be so many other mm-mm before we would get to that. So, um, it's a really good question. Really, really good question of how we, I don't think we would see it in that. So, yeah. You don't think it's just, it's just not the right like venue for that kind of party? Yeah. Unless, unless it like, you had to have encoded it in the early universe in some sort of way. I'm not sure. There you go. I smell yeah. the paper cooking up. Here we go. I'm just, Here we I'm go. just like writing on the side right now. But like. actually like this kind of conversation, if anyone's curious, like how research papers get started, it's usually by someone asking like, hey, I wonder if this would work. And then someone says, you know what? Maybe. No, no, it would. Well, Maybe. Well, I don't yeah. know. And then, like, you go to the blackboard and you figure it out and you write a paper. Yeah, and, like, you're like, does my friend know about that? What paper was that in? And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I think there's other signatures that we can talk about that would be producing that 
um, pulsar time arrays, so like cosmic strings, primordial black holes, like those types of things. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, Infinite Monkey over here on the Space Cadets is wondering, will we ever build gravitational wave generators? We do. All right. So if you make your fist right now, everyone, I'm oh, I'll, do it. I'll do it with you. I'll do it with you. Yeah. Okay. So anything that has a mass and is accelerating makes gravitational waves. So start doing this. So you are generating gravitational waves. I'm feeling right it. Now. I'm feeling yes. it. Yes. <laughs> well, picking this up right now. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So we go to black holes because they're more massive, and then we can start oh. to work out the numbers between like, okay, there's only like a thousand times smaller than the radius of proton. We can kind of get there. When you any mass, the scale factor in front of it is ten to the minus forty-four. So oh, like, it's cool. such a that's so tiny. <laughs> so the amplitude of the wave is so itty bitty when we're having our dance parties. That way we would need some like extremely sensitive detector, like unbelievable. So yeah, next time we're dancing. Next time we're dancing. Up. Well, okay. Now we know yes. where gold. Well, we know what the uh, dance explorer is going to study. Exactly. In the future. <laughs> That's the one I'll be leading like in the future. <laughs> done. 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 Uh, Edward Hinton is wondering, he's, he's very curious about gravity. We've been talking this whole episode about gravitational waves. What is a gravitational wave made of? Like, like a water mm. wave is made of water molecules that are wiggling up and down or going in a circle. What is a gravitational wave made of? Mm, yes. Okay. So to get us on this journey, like we start with space. Okay. So it's not just space up in the universe, which is great. Like the space in your room, right? There's forward and back, up and down, left and right. So that's, you know, you got here, you're sitting somewhere as a space and the time, like you showed up for this podcast, right? Like at some time when we, before, before Einstein, it was like time's doing its thing. Space is doing its thing. I'm not influencing space. Space is just doing a thing. And then space and time came together. <laughs> they're, they're an entity. And I am now influencing space. So like in the in the previous pre-Einstein, pre pre-general relativity, space and time is like a soccer game, right? Like the players are on the top, they're playing, whatever. The field doesn't interact with the soccer players. But when rel- general relativity came onto the scene, space-time is dynamic. So it's like a water polo game where you have the players influencing the water and the water's influencing the players. And so the, so now space, so bringing that into space time, right. is like now me in this room, if I'm like dancing around, having my party, I'm changing like the length between things and I'm changing the time as it's marching on. But it's so tiny that you and I are not like, whoa, distorted space. I mean, depends on what party you're at. You haven't been to the parties I've been to. <laughs> yeah, so so it's it's this it's this ruler of space and time. That's what's actually changing. And so when we have these fancy interferometers, these fancy rulers, it's we're we're responsive to a dynamic space time. So yeah, really really good question. No, that's fantastic. It's like in in the physics jargon we call it the metric. The yes. distance is between points in space and time. And, yeah. and gravitational waves are, are distortions in the metric, in the fundamental distance between, between events. 
That's so yeah. cool. Um, when it comes to advanced LIGO, eLIGO, Super LIGO, Ultra LIGO, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Cosmic Explorer, and Big Bang Observatory, and LISA, mm-hmm. and eLISA, and, and just all the gravitational wave astronomy that we've opened up mm-hmm. in just the past few mm-hmm. years of going forward, what are you most excited to, to see with gravitational mm-hmm. waves? So I want to see, okay, so this is me being an experimentalist and then say random things and like theorists will be like, what are you talking about? I want to see (laughs) us measure, like, I want us to see something really funky with the general relativity. Like, that is the thing that I'm like waiting for is that like, we start to measure like all of these black hole mergers and then there's like some weird stuff happening in the ring downs. We're like, oh, what's that? And then we start to measure a whole bunch of them further out. And it's like, we're making these like um, kinds of measurements that you see like large scale structure measurements, but of black holes. And then it's something different, right? Like we have this tension right now with like CMB and like, um, like local universe. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Supernova. And it's like, oh, this is tension. And then I want like, I want Liger to like come in there, measure all these black holes and there's something else. You, know? you want to prove Einstein wrong. I want to add, like, really, we're in a weird spot, right? Like, think about it, right? Like, what is dark energy? We're all just kind of like, that's cool. That's part of the universe. But it's like, what? (laughs) So I, like, want these other other clues that's going to lead us on a new path. So that's what I'm really excited about, of having a different kind of messenger from astrophysics. Uh, Speaking of... uh, Fantastic answer. I would love. I would love to finally find a crack in general relativity and and see what's going on. But see, speaking of measure, measure, uh, messenger, you are both an author and an advocate, and you were uh, among the leaders, if not the primary leader, of the shutdown STEM movement yeah. uh, last June. Uh, so, can you talk about what that movement was, what instigated it, and, and what's been going on since June? Oh yeah. So. Last, in okay, 2020, <laughs> we're Complicated going, year. Complicated year. You know, we're still living in, like, another version of it. So, like, we're going through this global pandemic, you know, and on top of that, you know, we go through this extreme national crisis on race, right? All of these people are losing their lives at the hands of the state that's not being held accountable, Right. And we see people in the streets demonstrating amidst a pandemic like that's how much our whole entire country is like, oh, my gosh, we can't be doing this. Right. And and we watched like different industries respond to this. Right. Like the the professional sports leagues, like the women's national, like the women's basketball, women's like there's so many sports like athletes saying black lives matter. (laughs) And we need to center that. And all of these people can't this can't be going on. Right. And so you watch an industry like the music industry, like they came up with like a blackout Tuesday. And the question is, where's science, right? Like in this perpetuating perpetuation of systemic racism, what what are we doing to eradicate it? Right. This anti-black racism that's pervasive through our culture. What are we doing about it? And so that's like the seed of it. And then the seed of it was reaching out to other leaders, leaders that I've known my path through astrophysics and we, you know, we saw these letters come through from institutions being like, oh, we stand in solidarity with you. And it's like, do you? <laughs> like, do you really? There's, there's been nice generally- letter. Because it's, it, it's easy to write a letter. Yeah. It's easy to have a sentiment. Yeah. And so then it's it was 
a, a reflection and accountability of what are you going to do? What is the systemic change that we're going to be making, right? How are we going to eradicate this anti-Black racism that's, that is in all of us, right? And if we're not conscious about it, we're going to continue to embed that in everything, right? Like if you think about science, right? The internet, our phone, like this computer, like all of this is is science, but scientists are just like, no, man, we're just over here doing other things. <laughs> it's like, no. Scientists, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was bringing that together and saying like, what, like, get, get together, right? Like wherever you are on this, like if you are in pain, because that is your demographic of people and you're hurting and you need a break, take a break, heal, find the community that you need. For the rest of you, if you haven't been thinking about it or actively doing work, you need to read, take action, and come up with a plan. And so that's what really was at the core of it. And the leaders who are part of this brought that in there, right? It was like everyone can be part of this. No matter where you are on the globe, like the U.S. impacts you in science, right? Like just think about that. Like how many institutions are in the U.S.? How many uh, like research collaborations are we part of, right? Like you're influenced by this. So it was amazing to see so many other people activate their own leadership to say, in my space, what am I gonna do, right? Me individually, my groups, my role, like editors from nature were just like, we gotta do something, <laughs> you know? Like, And it was just like everybody in different tiers were just kind of like, okay, I can do something and let me figure something out. And so that's what really was so powerful was that so many people said, yes, we need to transform. So it was a day, it's not shutting down STEM for all eternity, it's, it was a day to transform. And so we're still seeing like ripple effects from it. Like we had like the American Physical Society just said, said at the end of last year that they're gonna incorporate police conduct when choosing a conference site. Mm. They bring in millions of dollars to cities oh, every yeah. single year, right? And so it's like these kinds of like changes all over the place. Um, it's really, it's it's there's a lot of hope <laughs> that we can <laughs> <Yeah>. transform. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and it takes like even tiny incremental change is still change. It's still progress, and we'll do whatever we can. Uh, how can people follow you? You're a very interesting person. You're wonderful <laughs> to chat to. With uh, how can people find you online and follow your professional work, uh, the shutdown STEM, all of that, what you're associated with. Oh, yeah. Um, I think so. Follow, going to BrittanyKamai.com, I do my best to try to aggregate everything there. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot. So that's Cosmo Jellyfish. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm still kind of new with Instagram. Um, yeah, so all? I think <laughs> like there's such different platforms, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I think I got it with Twitter. And then it's like, this is a new game. Yep. Um, so yeah, Cosmo Jellyfish and BrittanyKamai.com and you'll find it. And uh, shutdownstem.com will be up. There's so many resources. Like, engage if you weren't if you didn't if you missed June 10, 2020. Turns out you could still get to work. So there's a lot you of can opportunities. Still transform. It's yeah. like Shutdown STEM is now transform STEM. Yeah, yeah, it yes, never exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yes. Dr. Kamai, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been wonderful to chat with you and, and best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. All right. Space Cadets, that was a really fun interview. Uh, I enjoyed that. I hope you did too. Unfortunately, we don't have a cheese tonight. We don't have a cheese tonight. 
I know you're as disappointed as I am. Uh, the, the, the shop was closed. We couldn't uh, get the cheese. It's okay. It's okay. This Dom's Cheese is always a great supporter of this show. We will be back next week with more cheese. Uh, speaking of support, you can support this show by going to patreon.com slash pmsutter. Uh, and if you'd like to contribute and follow along and help with the efforts to, to transform STEM, uh, to make it more aware of uh, and this is something I, I talk about uh, in my upcoming book, A Sickness in Science, uh, where uh, scientists want to close themselves off from humanity. Scientists want to close themselves off from uh, from society and pretend that we can just do science in a bubble in a vacuum. That's impossible. That's a lie. It's always been a lie. Um, and something we really need to address. Scientists are a part of society. We are human beings. We are enmeshed, enmeshed in our culture. And it's not just about diversity, even though that's a major issue. That is a a symptom of, of much larger breakdowns in in how science operates and that's that'll be in my book it's coming up i just finished the draft it's in the editing phase right now with my publisher uh and when it comes out we're gonna have a lot of discussions about it trust me just like we have discussions about my current book how to die in space which you can buy autographed copies off my website pmsutter.com slash store and uh go check out shutdownstem.com or brittanycombine.com follow her on cosmo jellyfish that is just so funny and yes visto 2d signs can never be separated from people or cheese that's once again thank you for joining me on this voyage of space radio, once again, I'm Paul Sutter. The show is brought to you by you. Go to patreon.com slash pmsutter to keep supporting the show. You can also drop a super chat over in the YouTube comments live anytime you want. Thank you, Nancy Graziano, for producing this show and wrangling the space cadets and also arranging our wonderful guests that we have the privilege to interview. Catch the live stream every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Visit spaceradioshow.com for more info, links to the live stream locations and the episode archive. You can follow me on social media if you feel like it. it's at Paul Matt Sutter. Thanks again, Space Cadets, for listening. See you next week. And remember, science is for sharing. End of transmission.